Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe. Coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. Welcome to the Tuesday Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM. We're going to start our show tonight as our very own Alex Carminati had an interview with Rutgers men's soccer head coach Jim McKeldry recapping the season, so you're going to hear that right now. Rutgers men's soccer had a historic campaign in the fall 2022 season. The Skull and Ice would go on to win their first ever Big Ten championship when Rutgers downed Indiana 3-1 on November 13th. In that Big Ten tournament, the Skull Knights were the second seed overall and hosted all three of their matchups, defeating Wisconsin, Ohio State, and the Indiana Hoosiers to eventually win that title. With that victory, the Skull Knights became the first ever men's program to win a Big Ten championship at Rutgers University. Coach Jim McKeldry, in his fourth season, was able to lead his team to this accomplishment as well as making the national tournament for the first time since 2015. Even though Rutgers fell 3-0 in round one of that national tournament, Rutgers has a lot to be proud for following this historic season. Today, I spoke with Coach Jim McKeldry as Rutgers and this program are just getting started. Here's my conversation with Coach Jim McKeldry, only here on WRSU-FM, New Brunswick. Coach, how are you? Thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. appreciate the coverage and uh, happy to talk about this 2022 team. Well, Coach, I'll tell you, it was a historic season. It was your fourth year as the bench boss here at Rutgers. And when we look at what this program was when you came into where it is now, first few years it wasn't the best. Now you're a Big Ten champion. You make the national tournament for the first time since 2015, and you made historic record-setting numbers throughout fall 2022. Take me through how historic this past season really was. Yeah, you know, you're always um, excited to, to finish off the season the way you had hoped and, and really kind of reach the full potential of the group. And, uh, you know, I said from the beginning of the season this year, at the end of preseason, I really thought we had a special group, a deep group, a lot of different players who could make a difference, whether it was on the attacking side or on the defending side or uh, in, in all different facets of the game. So I um, had a lot of confidence that we would come uh, you know, to a point during the season where we could compete with anybody in the country. So you know, really happy for the group of players, especially our seniors and, um, and, and guys that have put so much time into helping us grow uh, this program to where we are today. We look at the preseason numbers. This team was projected to finish fifth altogether in the Big Ten Conference. Coach, you did not do that. You finished a, a second seed in the Big Ten Tournament, and you ended up winning the entire thing. So how does this team go from a fifth overall projection in the Big Ten Conference to doing what you did, and the way you did it, Coach, you, you had a big tie versus Ohio State to make sure you had home field advantage throughout that Big Ten Tournament. You had a big win versus Penn State and State College to solidify that number two seed. Just take me through the big moments this year and how you were able to overhaul that projection. Yeah, you know, I think preseason projections are always tough, especially when you're in a, a conference like the Big Ten. There's so many great teams and so many teams with a lot of history. And you look at, you know, Indiana and Maryland and Penn State had won the conference the year before. Uh, Michigan is always a, a great program. Uh, everybody, really, from top to bottom. So it's difficult to uh, to be picked to finish in the top first or, or second spot uh, any season. So, uh, but we all know you have to play the games to, to kind of see where we really are. That's what athletics is all about. So, uh, you know, I think we had a couple of big moments during the season, as you mentioned, I think, uh, you know, catching a, a late tie against Ohio state um, out at their place was, was a big moment where our players started to realize, Hey, we can, we can really fight to the, to the end and, and earn a, a tough result against an excellent team. I thought Ohio state were excellent this year. And, and as you said, as we, we had a big game at, out at uh, Penn State. They've been a really difficult team for us. We haven't had a lot of success against them since I arrived. Uh, they've been tough. And for us to win on the road at Penn State, our guys played really well. And it was a, a desperate game for them as well. So for us to, to come out on top on the road was, was a special moment for our players. And, and as you said, 
uh, that that allowed us to secure the second seed. Um, and and the team that won the conference in the regular season, Maryland, we had a great game against them. We lost three to two, but uh, you know that game, even with the loss, gave our players a lot of confidence that we could compete with anybody. So getting that second seed and the way the tournament worked out, playing three games at home, it's something that I'm I'm really proud of. In that one of my visions for this program was was getting big crowds back at your sack for a men's soccer game. That hadn't happened in a while. And that's kind of what I grew up on in the late 80s and early 90s of big crowds at Yersac. So to see, you know, over 4,000 people at Yersac on, on that Sunday against Indiana for the, for the Big Ten final was a special moment for me. And, and then also to win it uh, really just gave our players uh, the reward that I really think they deserved. Well, again, Coach, you know, you know, we went through all of that, and again, you were the two seed. That Big Ten tournament was a remarkable run, and in that first round, number seven seed of Wisconsin gave you a run for your money. You sealed the deal in penalty kicks. Jackson Temple was the hero there. The Big Ten semifinals, good old Ohio State, and because of that tie and that win versus Penn State, you outclimbed the Buckeyes in the standings. You were the two seed. Ohio State the three seed. If those two games did not result the way they did, that Big Ten semi-match could have been in Columbus, but instead you host at Piscataway, and that was a roarous crowd in that matchup. You win the, uh, that game, of course, 2-1. to one. And then, of course, the Big Ten Championship. Indiana upsets Maryland. Indiana has to travel to you guys at Piscataway. It's 1-1. One to one. Ula Malin, the go-ahead, beautiful Olympical goal. And then we look at the way it all sealed out. Ian Abbey with the uh, the final touches, and Rutgers went on to win their first-ever Big Ten title in men's soccer history. And again, the first-ever Big Ten championship for any men's program at Rutgers. Coach, if I told you four years later when, when you first took the job at Rutgers that by your fourth season you would have had a Big Ten title, you would have had all this rawest crowd at your sack, over 4,200 people, and the fact that your program won the first ever men's Big Ten championship for any sports team at Rutgers, men's-wise, what would you have told me four years ago? I'd say yes. That's exactly where we want to be. You know, I think that was ultimately uh, the, the dream for our program is to, to get us to a point where we could, could win a, a conference championship. You know, I think teams look at there's kind of three – three trophies you can really win during the season. It's your conference regular season. It's your conference tournament. And then it's the national tournament. We know only one team can win the national championship. So uh, that's always in the whole country out of over 210 teams. So it's really, really challenging. So you look at your conference and, um, you know, finishing second was a great accomplishment for us. Uh, but then winning the tournament was something that our players had talked about. I think there's a lot of, a lot of teams. We were all kind of trying to fight to see who could get that first, team big 10 uh, championship so we're really proud of that i think it's something that i talk to our players a lot about writing their own history we got great rutgers history here not just in soccer but in a lot of sports but especially in soccer and you know we wanted to write our own history and and we did that this year winning the the, the conference tournament and being the first men's team to win it so you know you ask about where we wanted to be when we first got here this is exactly where we want to be and and if you look at some of the players that had big moments uh, these past couple of weeks, they're, some of them are local guys that, that really bought into what, what Rutgers can be, uh, not only right now, but in the future. So really excited about where we, we finished. Um, and, and as you said, that conference tournament at home, we had great support, the Rutgers uh, kind of nation, and also just the overall New Jersey soccer crowd came, up, uh, came out and was really supportive and, and really helped us win. And if you look at the, the semifinal and the final, we played Ohio State and Indiana, and both of those teams went to the NCAA tournament. Uh, Indiana ended up, uh, they're still playing now. They're in the, uh, the final eight right now, so they're a top, top-level team. And for us to beat them at home in the final was a special day. And even Ohio State went to the NCAA tournament. They beat Wake Forest 3-0 on the road. So these are top-level teams that our players ended up having success against. So Hopefully, um, not only does this uh, be a, a moment for us in our history books, but also can it be a catapult for us and our players realize that, you know, we are one of the best teams um, in the country. And if we can keep pushing and keep recruiting well and keep developing players, then uh, the sky's the limit for our program. And again, you know, again, we, we, we talked about this whole run, but in the national tournament, you lost 3 nothing to Penn to kick off that round. Um, what happened in that game, and how was Penn able to overpower you in the national tournament? 
Yeah, you know, first, I think UPenn are a really good team. Uh, you know, they won the Ivy League. Uh, they had an older group, and uh, congratulations to them. They had a great season, and uh, I thought they were really good on the night. I thought we were a little bit uh, heavy-legged. I, I think the, that, that run in the tournament and playing three really challenging games uh, kind of caught up with us a little bit. Uh, I was disappointed that we, we had to, to travel on the road. I thought we got a very difficult draw. I thought UPenn should have been a team with a 13 RPI, should have been a team that got seeded. So it was a really tough on-the-road matchup on a, on, a, on a tough surface. They played on uh, – their, their game field was not um, available to be played on. They have a nice grass stadium, but we ended up playing on their – on a turf field that I thought our players struggled with. We hadn't played a turf game since August. So, you know, all those things just added up to being a tough match, but – I really thought, um, you know, our players competed right up until the end. And, you know, as difficult it is to, to lose that, that game against UPenn, you know, it's a, a real big step for our program in the right direction. And uh, I can't wait to see what our guys can, can do to build on that and, and use that game as motivation because I think uh, we'll look back and say, hey, we, we could have even advanced even farther this, this season. You know, be happy with what we accomplished. But, you know, hey, there's still a lot more that we can do. Well, again, those main guys, M.D. Myers stands out completely, the transfer from High Point University. He comes back, call me, he's a New Jersey native, he plays at Rutgers, and M.D. had a remarkable season. Over 13 goals, was a, you know, all-around stud player, offensively especially, throughout the entire country. And M.D. Myers won Big Ten Player of the Year and was awarded the offensive player throughout the Big Ten tournament. When it comes to a player like that, how was M.D. Myers able to, you know, make his way to Rutgers, do what he did this year, and when it comes to the future of M.D. Myers, could we see him back next season possibly? Well, first of all, you know, the reason he kind of settled in so well for us at Rutgers is he's a great guy. Uh, he fits in well being even, you know, a, a top-level player. He's a really good teammate. Uh, our players kind of gravitated towards him when he arrived here last spring. Uh, he works incredibly hard, so he's a, an easy guy to be a teammate of, but he's also an easy guy to root for. Our players were very happy for him to, to get the Offensive Player of the Year in our conference and in the tournament. It's well-earned, but they also feel part of that because he is such a good guy and, uh, and does a lot on the attacking side, obviously, but also does a lot on the defending side. And and works incredibly hard. So I couldn't be happier for him. And yeah, I think with MD, uh, you know, High Point's a great program. He was just looking for something a little bit different. He was looking for uh, to challenge himself in different ways. He knew some of our players, um, you know, growing up in New Jersey and playing for the Philly, Philly Union Academy. So uh, it just was a, a great fit for him. He was, he just was looking for something a little bit different and to challenge himself in different ways. So He's been uh, a great addition to our program, and um, you know it's been a, a bit of fun year for him. Uh, in terms of next year, uh, it doesn't look as if he's going to be coming back next year. He's got some some real interest from pro clubs, and um, you know we're here to support his his dream of being a professional player. He's an excellent student, so you know really he's done everything right, and uh, you know we're happy for him, and and uh, we'll we'll be uh, his biggest fans as he as he heads into the pro uh, ranks. Again, you know, again, just a great campaign by him. Uh, not just MD next season, but possibly, you know, folks like Jackson Temple, Pablo Avila, Tom DeVizio, uh, you know, Hugo Leguenic. So many senior players, upperclassmen players who have been at Rutgers for four or five years, who have been around for a long time. Now, I can assume Tom DeVizio won't come back, but folks like Temple and Pablo and, you know, so many other of these upperclassmen, Hugo as well. Can we see them also in 2023, possibly? Yeah, well, Tommy DeVizio is, is uh, finished in terms of he's done all his eligibility, as has Pablo Avila. They are both finished with their, um, their eligibility. So uh, uh, Pablo um, uh, officially kind of transferred here when he first came in. So he's done four years here. Uh, he's going to finish with an undergrad degree from Rutgers and a master's degree from Rutgers. So really proud of him, both on and off the field. Uh, Tommy um, graduated as an undergrad this this fall, and uh, but came back for his fifth year. So they're officially done. They'll both have some interest to to play at the next level. The others you mentioned all have an extra year of eligibility, um, and we'll have probably two or three of those guys coming back next year. You know, we'll we'll wait to see uh, these next month or so if uh, if kind of some professional opportunities open for them, then there's a chance they could, they could go with those. Um, but I'm sure we'll have a handful of those guys back next year. And, and we'd love to have them all back because they're great players. And, and as you said, 
they've been here from the beginning when I arrived. Um, all those players that we just mentioned were here. So uh, it's kind of bittersweet when we win and, and they have some opportunities to, to move on to the next level. But uh, we're happy for them. But my guess is we'll have a, a couple of guys back. We probably won't know until the new year. But, um, you know, uh, really excited about the, the future uh, with with those guys potentially returning. And, and also so many other guys that played big roles, Matt Acosta, Joey Zielinski, Jason Bereggi, uh Cole Carruthers, I mean, um, Kieran Dalton, uh, just the list goes on and on, Ula Malin, so many guys that have big roles on our team will return next year. So uh, really the future is really bright with this group, and that's what it's all about. It's not just going for one season. It's about building a program that you can consistently uh, attract uh, excellent players from all over the world, but especially the local players that uh, you know keep um, – keep the kind of lifeblood of our program going. For sure, indeed. And again, you know, you know the uh, the upperclassmen who have been around for years. You mentioned those some of those underclassmen, those players who have been around even for two, three years. Like they are the future, of course, as well. I want to touch more on Kieran Dalton because he was able to explode and take over the starting goalie role for this Rutgers team. How was he able to do that this season? And when it comes to what he did this year, how is that just a foretaste of what Kieran Dalton could do for four, maybe five seasons here at Rutgers? Yeah, you know, he's, uh, as I said to everybody from the beginning, we're really lucky. We have a good group of goalkeepers here. Uh, Kieran obviously played that those last kind of maybe 10, 10 games or so. Um, but Ari Briscoe uh, played a couple of games for us this year, is also very, very good. And, and someone that you guys haven't seen is Dylan Vanderwald. is our third-string goalkeeper at the moment. And, and he also is uh, a really talented guy. So it's a real group of, of goalkeepers that train hard, push each other, get along well make it competitive, but also just want us to win. But in terms of Kieran, you know, we just thought, uh, you know, at one point during the season that we wanted to give one of the goalkeepers kind of an extended run. We thought he just made sense. He was playing well, confident, and just, just made our, our team better. So, you know, he got the nod, and I think it could have been very easily Ari at the same time. But uh, Kieran did really, really well. Uh, I thought he, he plays a lot older than his freshman status. He's very composed, brings a lot of confidence. Uh, does all the kind of real basic things really well. And uh, he's technically sound, kicks well. Uh, but I also thought he uh, played big and huge moments this year. So, uh, you know, I, I say to many of our players, but hey, if he just continues to put the work in, he loves training. He's always out on the field. Get him in the weight room, get a little bit stronger uh, and a little bit quicker. I think he could be a, a goalkeeper at the highest level. So, Really proud of the way he played this this season and handling a lot handling a lot of really stressful moments. You talked about our Wisconsin game being a zero zero game. I thought Wisconsin were really good on the day and and he had to come up with some saves and obviously making a big save in the penalty shootout was uh, was vital. Uh, but then playing um, so many other important moments um, where where some we don't even talk about. We forget him making a couple of big saves against Indiana in the final where. You know, they could have tied the game up late, and, and then you never know how it goes. So I uh, really thought he stepped up and, um, and made us a better team, and that's what it's all about. Alex Carbonati with head coach Jimmy Keldry of Rutgers Men's Soccer. Coach, last question for you. Um, again, thanks so much for your time today. When it comes to this program, again, a historic season, a lot to talk about, a lot to really put in the back pocket as to say, wow, this was a great year. A lot got done in 2022. But this, I assume, and of course, I'm sure you can agree with me on this, this is just the beginning of the overall product to come for years to come, hopefully. When it comes to what example Rutgers has made and what example Rutgers continues to make, hopefully continues to make, what are those for Big Ten soccer and for college soccer all across the country? Yeah, you know, I think uh, we're very lucky in that we uh, have great support here. Um, a lot of sports here at Rutgers achieving great things. If you even just in, you look at our the building I'm in in the new Rotkin building, our women's soccer team is is always at the at the top level. And, and again, to the NCAA tournament this year, our lacrosses have been to the NCAA tournament uh, the last couple of years with, with and the men's team going to the Final Four last year. So there's so many teams being successful. Uh, both in the conference and, and on the national scene. And, and I think that's one of the things that we all believe we can do here is, is uh, we're at a great location. We've got a great school with great facilities. You know, we should be a team that is always striving to finish at the top of, of the Big Ten Conference. And, 
and then also making uh, our mark nationally. And we've got a lot of really good players uh, locally that are starting to, to really buy into what we're doing here. And yeah, you just have to look at some of our players that are, whether it's Indian Abbey from New Jersey or Joey Zielinski uh, from, from Brick and um, uh, Matty Acosta as well, all kind of guys that grew up not far from here um, and are making us a, a top program. And, we, we mix that in with guys, whether it's an international player or somebody like Cole Carruthers from Portland. Um, you know, there's, there's no reason that we shouldn't be attracting the, the best players in the country to, to look at Rutgers and, and continue to make us better. So, uh, you know, it's not easy. It's hard work. Uh, it's difficult to, to compete at, at the top level. There's a lot of good players out there and a lot of good coaches and programs, but we feel we should be in the mix for that uh, every year if, if we can really – push it and stay healthy and, uh, and keep developing our players. So really excited for the future. Very happy with how this season ended up with, with some guys getting some rewards for all this hard work and what we've been talking about for the last three or four years. Uh, but now our, our next job is to keep it going and to continue to attract top level talented student athletes and to, to make the ones we have here better. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to the spring season to keep developing the group and, uh, you know, set new goals for our program. This is where the fun begins, Coach. Coach Jim McKeldry of Rutgers Men's Soccer joining me here. Coach, again, thanks so much for your time. Congrats on a great season this past year in fall 2022. And all the best next year and many more to come. Coach, again, thanks a lot, and we'll talk in 2023. Thanks, Alex. I appreciate the coverage, and uh, anytime, I'm happy to jump on with you. Take care. That was Alex Carminati with Rutgers men's soccer head coach Jim McCaldry. Welcome back to the Tuesday crew. I am Alec Crowdhimmel, joined here with Arnav Sarkar, Joe Henry, and Jackson Delulo. So we're going to stick with soccer a little bit. Today there was a pretty big World Cup matchup between the United States and Iran. United States was victorious today, 1-0, uh, through nine extra minutes at the end of the second half, too. That, that took a while. Uh, and they will advance, along with England, into the knockout round. So uh, what, were you, what were your guys' uh, thoughts from today's match? Oh, I thought it was a good one. I um, Christian Pulisic with the with that goal um, right before the half, and you know he was playing through some pain. He had to leave, but I saw that he he looks like he's going to be good to go for the um, clash against the Netherlands. And um, you know it was a bit stressful as they were trying to hold on to the lead at the end, but they were able to pull through. And even though I mean Iran was like very close to getting like a penalty and like scoring, but they weren't able to. So the U.S. is moving on to play the Netherlands and I, I think that was kind of the hope and expectation for the United States going into the tournament to finish second to move to the knockout stage and you know I, I feel like they're they're a better team than Wales and Iran they they, they proved that at least in, in the point standing so at this point it's kind of like we're playing with house money like what if we keep going we keep going we're not like expected to by any means but um, no, it's great for the um, for this whole program and this young team has met many stars playing in like in the MLS and in European leagues. It's it's starting to take um, shape for the U.S. Yeah, I think it's a great uh, thing. You know, I'm not the biggest uh, World Cup fan or just soccer as a whole fan, but I have been paying attention to the U.S. Especially given how things have been going these past few games, you know, obviously it was pretty disappointing against Wales. You're hoping to do more in that one, and they just couldn't pull it out. And then England, obviously, that was a very hyped up matchup to tie against England. I know everybody keeps talking about it. That's a huge deal, given the fact that that's like their whole thing. They love soccer, as they incorrectly call it football <laughs> over there. Um, and it's like it's like it's kind of like I put it into perspective like this. Imagine if England had a football team, like a real football team. And they tried to play one of our teams and we tied with them. Wouldn't that just right. be so embarrassing for America? So I think even though we didn't win statistically against England, it was definitely a moral victory. And then to come out against Iran, you have to win to get into the knockout stage. I think it's a massive thing. You know, obviously only one goal. You'd love to build upon that. But, you know, like Arnav said, whatever happens, happens. Nobody expected them to get this far. And the fact that they're in this stage is pretty impressive by itself. Now, if they keep winning, it's going to be a great run. Not sure how far they'll go, but I might watch some of the Netherlands game on Saturday because it's starting to get pretty interesting. Yeah, um, definitely a great game. A uh, ton of positives out of this one. Um, it looks like Pulisic kind of got took a knee to the thigh or the groin, so hopefully he'll be all right and ready for the round of 16. But other than that, I mean, you know, as good a group stage – 
as you could really hope for. Not that you could ask for, but definitely as good as you could hope for. Great showing. Um, and frankly, our goal differential should have been a lot greater. You know, there were a lot of chances that the U.S. just missed out on or that last pass didn't really get there that I think if this group gets more experienced and they get more experience together, start becoming goals. And, you know, it's an exciting time. I think they've really got – they've got a good shot. Yeah, definitely – Definitely an exciting match, and I agree. You know, they look like the better team today, and they look like the better team against Wales, too. Um, not exactly sure about against England because England's a very talented team, but they fought hard. So, really a very impressive matchup. And, you know, probably the probably the, the most fun takeaway that I had from these three matchups in the, uh, in the group stage, you know, there's a lot of young talent on this team. And, you know, when 2026 comes around... If they keep growing and playing the way that they have with the with the amount of fight that they're playing with, they have a chance to contend in 2026. But, of course, right now we're focusing on 2022 because they just advanced to the knockout stage. So definitely a lot of a lot of fun that can uh, that can be taken as they will play the Netherlands on Saturday at 10 a.m. Yeah, man. I mean, it really is just one of those things you have to watch and see how it develops. I think it's always interesting with these World Cup teams because they're really going to or Olympic teams, like things like that, because they're going to break off after this, go do their own thing, keep developing their skills individually. So it's not like you're getting a whole lot of chemistry in that time because these guys aren't directly training for it. But I think that if this group ends up going far, they're going to want to build upon that momentum. In the next few years, they're going to want to come back, maybe even train during these next few years to get ready for 2026. Now, obviously, we don't want to write off this current team because who knows how far they're going to go. But I feel like they got a lot of potential, and I'm just really excited. You know, I'm still getting... Not the biggest soccer fan, like I said. Not really familiar with the World Cup. Um, still getting familiar with anything, but uh, go USA. You know, sports can be very divisive. Everybody hates each other when it comes to sports, but at least everybody in America can finally agree upon something. You know, we're all rooting for the same team here. Yeah, and, you know, even a couple Jersey guys on the U.S. men's national team, the starting goalkeeper, Matt Turner, number one, is a native of Park Ridge, New Jersey. And then, let's see, the other one, Brendan Aronson, the, uh, the forward from Medford. So uh, some cool, some cool local, some cool local guys on the national team kicking it out in Qatar. Yeah, I mean, after co- talking, uh, Karm was talking to Coach Pike on the interview. We might get some guys on the team in 2026, like JD Myers. I'm sorry, MD Myers. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. That'd be very cool. Yeah. So with that, we're gonna take our first break. On the other side of this break, we'll have our. Locks of the Week segment, and then maybe talk some Rutgers men's and women's basketball for their upcoming matchups this week. You are listening to the Tuesday Crew on 88.7 WRSU-FM or online at WRSU.org. Locks of the Week here on the Tuesday Crew here on WRSU FM New Brunswick. I'm Alec Krauthimmel, joined by Jackson DeLulo, Joe Henry, and Arnav Sarkar. So this is our Locks of the Week segment where we go over some of our best bets as college students. Uh, Don't suggest you take our advice, but if you want to, you can go right ahead. I guess I'll start off first. We got some NBA action tonight. The one that I'm looking at is the Warriors at the Mavericks right now. Uh, looking like the spread is in the favor of the Warriors at minus one and a half. I'm going to take the Mavericks on that at plus one and a half. Then I'm going to take the over 227 and a half total points scored. The Warriors have struggled, and I mean struggled so far on the road this year. Um, and you know what? I think it's I think it's closer in the direction of the Warriors because the Mavericks have also been struggling lately. But I think this is a get right game, and I'm taking the over of 227 and a half. Total points because, I mean, when you got Luka Doncic, Klay Thompson, Steph Curry all on the court, there's bound to be a lot of scoring. So that's my lock of the week. I'm taking the Mavericks at plus one and a half tonight, and I'm taking over 227.5 points scored. So uh, who wants to go next? I can go next. Uh, so usually going with the NFL, I think there's a few different interesting games this week. Uh, you know, obviously I'm a Washington Commanders fan, so I've been picking a lot of their games recently, but I don't want to jinx anything just because I feel like we're on a really good run now, moving the football pretty well with our running backs. Uh, always worried about what Taylor Heineke is going to do. I do think the Giants are a bad team. Sorry, Arnav. I just don't really know anything that they do particularly well, and that's usually my rule with football teams is if you give me one facet of your game that you can do, at least at the top of the league, then I will acknowledge you as a good team, and I just don't see them doing that in any aspect. Um, 
But I'm going to Bills Patriots on Thursday night is a pretty interesting game. I'm going to take the Patriots minus four. Uh, Buffalo is favored by four points. It's in New England. It's their first matchup of the season. It's one of those games where, obviously, a heated rivalry game, you're always going to have that heated up. The Patriots just lost on Thanksgiving, so they have, they're coming off some nice rest. So are the Bills, obviously. But um, I don't know. It just feels like the Patriots are going to win because the Bills have been so, so sloppy. And when a quarterback is just trying to make quick decisions, Bill Belichick can always disguise coverages to make something happen. And, you know, he's just done a, such a great job against Josh Allen in his career. So I'm going to take the Patriots plus four. I think they're going to win the game straight up. Definitely going to cover the spread. Um, I guess I could go next. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at the Commanders-Giants game. I'm not going to pick it because it's a uh, Washington minus 2.5. I feel like that could go either way. Um. Looks like ESPN's matchup predictor has them at 50.5%, us at 488 so it's like about 50-50. I would say that the Giants have improved like quite a bit this year from, from last year, previous seasons, but the problem is that like we're really injured right now, so the one thing that we don't have going for us exactly is the passing game because um, we just don't have receivers. Kind of, it's, it's kind of similar to, like, Rutgers in a way, but, like, at least they, their receivers are healthy and, like, ours just aren't. And I don't know. It's unfortunate. But, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of scared we're going to lose the lead. Like I said, like, off the year, I think we could split it. But I'm going to stick with World Cup, Um, like, you know, split the series. But I'm going to stick with the World Cup for my lock and, I guess, kind of change it up. I'm going to pick Argentina to beat Poland tomorrow and advance to um, – uh, the knockout round by doing that so that's kind of my luck I feel like they despite losing their first match to Saudi Arabia um, um, you know Leo Messi will lead Argentina to the win and they will be um, in the round of 16 as well yeah so for my lock of the week um, there's just a game on this week's NFL slate that really sticks out as one that I think could shock a lot of people depending on you know how you look at it that is Tennessee Titans at Eagles uh Eagles are five and a half point home favorite um over under here set at 44 and a half I'd have to take that under and I'm definitely going Titans money line the thing with the Eagles is I'm not using the word frauds they're the <laughs> best they're the, like the best team left standing yeah. in the NFL and they've looked really great but their passing game is entirely predicated on the success of their run game you're going up against one of the top-run defenses in the entire NFL. They're most likely going to eliminate Jalen Hurts as a rushing threat, and I don't rely on, or I can't rely on Miles Sanders to be a grinded out twenty touches back that's going to open up play action. So, you know, I think low-scoring stinker, and I think Philly gets shocked at home. Definitely Ooh. taking Titans money line, but not touching that uh, spread. Ooh, that's an, that's an interesting one. You're calling for the uh, for the upset. Our, uh, our resident Eagles fan, Eddie Kalegi, couldn't be here tonight. Maybe will be in a little bit. I'm sure he's not too happy about that lock. <laughs> um, yeah, a bunch of interesting locks tonight. I mean, we I gave NBA, Arnav gave World Cup, Joe gave some NFL, and as did Jackson. So uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about for our locks of the week. And now uh, let's switch it over to basketball. Rutgers men's and women's basketball about to go through some of their most important stretches of the young season. Both play tomorrow night. Uh, Rutgers men's basketball traveling down to South Beach to face the University of Miami in the, I believe, final iteration of the Big Ten ACC Challenge. Um, Such so would be a fun matchup. That is right, yeah. yeah. Giddy, Giddy Fox and Dylan Allen will have the call for you guys all here on WRSU-FM, so look out for that, of course, at 7.30 p.m. Um, so what are you guys thinking about this upcoming matchup for the Scarlet Knights? Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's it's a huge game tomorrow. I mean, with Miami, it's you know it's a showdown down there, and it's it's a start of a you know an, an interesting slate for for Rutgers when they play um, Miami and then um, Indiana, Ohio, and then at Ohio State, Seton Hall, and I think Wake Forest to conclude that five game stretch. So it's going to be huge for um you know record purposes for the non-conference slate we play a lot of great teams and well it's, it's a mixture of non-conference and conference games but i feel like like we, we've went through all the warm-up game well most of them there's a few more later but we've went through that the the warm-up games and now this is kind of where the season really gets started i'm, I'm kind of glad we didn't mess mess up any of the games we should have won like last year because that would have really thrown us off for the tournament so luckily we didn't really do that too much and you know, we have a loss against Temple, but I don't really feel like that's going to cost us too much in the long run with the tournament. Yeah, no, I think for the basketball team, you know, things look pretty good. 
I'm one of the pessimistic Rutgers basketball fans. You know, looking at it, we've got some great guys like Cliff Amore and Andre Hyde that have been doing a good job on the season. Some guys coming off the bench that have been doing pretty productive. But I don't know. I think this isn't one of those big test games yet, even though Miami is pretty good. Staying at six and one on the season, I think once we get into Big Ten play, that's really we're gonna, when we're going to find out how good this team is. But um, just excited to see how it all plays out. Hello there. What's up, Karn? How are you, gang? Good to see everybody. How was your meeting? Oh, it was a quick half hour, Eddie. Yeah, we didn't have that much to do, but I do want to respond to you, Joe. I think the Miami game is going to be a good barometer, especially with what's coming in the game right after Indiana on uh, Saturday. Big Ten opener. That should be really fun to watch. Uh, It's going to be a good atmosphere at Jersey Mike's Arena as well. This five-game stretch, when you look at it, it's going to be five really difficult games, two in the Big Ten, the rivalry game with Seton Hall. I think you have to aim for three and two. Mm -hmm. If you can split the two ACC games, if you can split the two Big Ten games, and if you can take advantage against Seton Hall at home, I think you can be very happy. The thing is is that every single game we see for this team, and this has happened for years now, when they're at home, they're able to jump on that crowd, able to do their thing. They win by a decent amount of points, majority of time at home. But when they're on the road, either at Miami tomorrow, they're going to be at Columbus versus versus Ohio State. Guaranteed three of the five upcoming games are at home, and they could take two or three. Depends on Seton Hall, how they start, how things work out all together. And Rutgers, the past few years, hasn't had that much success versus Seton Hall. But um, Great rivalry. Oh, mm. it is. And Seton Hall did lose to Siena a couple days ago. Yeah. So. They did. They got, they got a new head coach. They're still feeling things out. You're Let's right, keep in mind, bumps. though, if they're able to – if Rutgers can pull off the win in Florida tomorrow, that's that's a great start, by the way. And, again, they've played only one road game this year. That was in Connecticut. They, they, they lost to Temple. Ed had a pleasure of going out to uh, the Mohican Sun Arena out there. I had a pleasure of going to the game. I don't think they had a pleasure of playing in it because that was not that was not a peak Rutgers performance. No, no, by no, 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 it wasn't. But for you and Dennis, it was a nice it was, little trip. It was, it was. But the point is is that if they can bounce back from a road loss like that, and they have with wins versus Ryder, Central Connecticut State, teams that are not that great to begin with. So if they can bounce back and win a road game first ever this season against a Power 5 team like Miami, who is 6-1 and one, like you mentioned, Joe, you know, that would be a good start for these five games. And Indiana, look, Rutgers knows how to beat Indiana on the road, at Jersey Mike's, wherever it's going to be. Indiana, though, for some reason is a top 25 team, and they're a pretty decent team so far to play yeah. uh, this season. If they can start this road, you know, this uh, this stretch 2-0, and somehow, you know, beat, Colum- beat Ohio State in Columbus, I don't think they're going to do that exactly on the road, but... Again, if they take three of five, that's a good step. They could do four or five, possibly, with three of the games being at Jersey Mike Serena. But keep in mind, Miami is a good team. But Rutgers, if they can, you know, uh, you know, pounce that level, the way they're coming off these wins as of late, and and they know they, uh, you know, you know, they they had some mishaps or what have you versus Temple on the road. Keep in mind that was not a true road game. That was really a neutral game if you really think about it. Rutgers, of course, has a chance to win tomorrow, but my concern is that when it comes to to, to being a true road environment, you're actually traveling far outside of the Tri-State to play this game tomorrow. Hopefully there's no jet lag, there's no there's no nothing for this team. But if they can continue to play the team-oriented basketball that they've played for their five, six games, whatever it's been, to kick off the season where they've won those games because of team-oriented play, they're able to spread the ball out again and again and again. That's going to win them that game tomorrow. And whether it be a, you know, a rawest crowd they might deal with tomorrow, if Cam Spencer can lead... If Hyatt can keep doing what he's doing, if Cliff can get those rebounds and put up some points, maybe maybe a double double, what have you, uh, you know, if Caleb McConnell can continue to make his presence known, it was definitely shown in the win versus Central Connecticut Central Connecticut State uh, this past weekend. The thing is, altogether, is that this game tomorrow is going to be a big test of where this team goes, definitely. and if they're able to pull off a win. That's a great sign for these games, and if they win tomorrow, I would not be shocked if they take four or five of the next five. Yeah, and Carl, looking at the December schedule, you go, Indiana comes to you at home. They're the number 10-ranked team in the nation. Then you're going to Ohio State. Then you got the Seton Hall rivalry game. It's a, it's a really tough four-game stretch. You know, then things things ease up around the holidays. But I think this is, you know, like uh, Eddie said with his big fancy words, 
barometer. This is a really great oh, stretch of games. It's pretty impressive for a Philly fan. But uh, <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> but um, Carm, do not get started. Wait till Alex. Well, you know what? Me. People in Wisconsin can actually speak better than people in Philadelphia. Although I love Philadelphia. That's I actually a went weird to Philadelphia. Thing to say. I went to Philadelphia like a week ago. Actually, it was it was not that bad. Philadelphia is beautiful. It's freezing. But anyway, as, as I was saying, we can see that for camera just talking. Better than freaking FedEx Field in in uh, nowhere, Maryland. I'm sorry, uh, Dennis, but your area is really disgusting. Uh, like, it kind of is. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. It is kind of bad. What? But I've been to D- the DMV area. It's not a good area. No. Stafford, Virginia is not not a place to be. Not Nova. a fan, Carm. It's not a class act area. But anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> these four games are gonna be. They're gonna be tough ones. You know, maybe. Yeah. I'm not sure what the injury situation's like. I don't have my uh, ear to the ground like you probably do. I don't know if you got the uh, head coach on that. Uh, Samsung phone ears, but uh, <laughs> what's with you and Samsung now? You finally text me back, Carm, and I get in green. Well, you know what, pal? You know I would have preferred if you just didn't text me back. Well, you know, what? too bad, green. too bad. <laughs> the, I'm I'm coming off kidney stones, okay? Oh, I'll text gosh. you in green, blue, yellow, or pink. How about that? You happy? The point is, and <laughs> that, Joe that was a really weird non sequitur, Carm. Uh, I wanted a, to jump in because yeah. I was in the other room. I, I wasn't gonna, and then I was like, "Ah, Carm saying stuff I disagree with." So oh I come to, like, on! Jump in and say things. That's what I mean? What? The the, the Miami home environment's really bad, so it's gonna be more like a neutral site game. Uh, Miami fans just don't show up, especially for basketball. So that's an opportunity to steal a game like that, and especially against Miami. Uh, unclear exactly how good they are right now. It's very early in the season, but they're a reasonably likely tournament team, and down the line, a road win like that will look really good in the net. Uh, Same thing with something like a win against Indiana at home, especially if Indiana's as good as everyone seems to think they are so far this season. They do have an extremely light out-of-conference schedule. They've probably scheduled a weaker out-of-conference schedule than Rutgers. Um but with those two caveats of reasons why Rutgers could beat them, I don't think Rutgers has to win any of the next three games to be on decent pace. They could lose against Miami, against Indiana, and against Ohio State, and I would still think that they're probably in okay shape. Seton Hall would probably need to be a win at that point, and Wake Forest probably just needs to be a win, period. I'd be pretty... If they win, and I I tweeted about this, uh, you should go follow my Twitter to hear more really good insights like this. Nice plug. I follow you on Twitter, Dennis, but you never follow me back. At at Dennis Geisler underscore. Follow him Uh, back. What are you doing over this? I'll I'll go follow you back after I I leave the room. Um, But uh, where was I going with that? Oh, uh, they have to win two of the next five games to be a realistic tournament team. And if they win three, they're probably on the good side of the bubble for the near term. Right. Uh, if they win any more, they're in a really good spot and they look like a very good team. If they win any fewer, uh, some alarms would probably start to... The, the, the bells must ring, but like alarm bells um, for their tournament chances because they'll really have to step things up in Big Ten play. Uh, that that's at least how I see it at this point. And again, if they win exactly two games, it's probably the last two. So don't panic, I guess, by the results of the next couple of days, especially because we don't know the status of Paul. Caleb's probably back, but I don't, I know don't about Paul. disagree with all of that completely. But the thing that I'm going to counteract is this. When we looked at and and again, Miami, Indiana, Ohio State, they're no Lafayettes and UMasses or what have you, nowhere close. But my thing is, is that and I'm not sure Rutgers will take that approach, but if they take these games a little lightly, say, okay, we, we might not win to begin with, all right, we'll give it a shot, but we're probably not going to walk out with a victory regardless, that kind of mindset is kind of the reverse of what it was last year versus Lafayette, UMass, those teams. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm well not you gonna, know what? I'm not going to tell them to do that. Like, if I'm if I'm coming up to Caleb McConnell's face or Cliff Amore's face and saying, I don't think you guys will beat Indiana, don't worry too much about it. Like, this is what I'm saying. But is maybe like that's what they a media need. personality covering the tournament. I I honestly think they can win all of these games. No, yeah. like, like, what, maybe what they need is for you to get up in their face. Yeah, and say oh, okay. these things like oh, don't, like, like like give them bulletin board material. No, from but, the, like, the media. you know, I'm from Bayonne. <laughs> I can put posters up saying Paul's not good enough to beat these teams. Yeah. Guys, I think that's how we get them to be the number one ranked team in that the country. That makes sense. I mean, you either get that or they yeah, punch I mean, you in the face. Either <laughs> one's gonna happen. Well, I also don't feel like you really need to 
worry that much about them being motivated in these home games. When you look back to no, last year, no, how no, they no, did course. against ranked Big right. Ten teams at home, I think there can be worries about Miami tomorrow. I think that's going to be a tough game no, for them. I think that'll yeah. be like a really a, a really interesting test because it's not a terrible road environment, right. but the Mohican Sun was a neutral environment. And yeah. You saw that they came out absolutely frigid. Uh, they they just didn't like they shot like garbage in the first yeah. half especially and, and if, that was seventy five percent Rutgers fans there and that was yeah Temple. It, it was mostly Rutgers fans and it was a pretty small environment there wasn't a whole lot that you can say in terms of it being a road environment so especially Miami's probably not going to be a lot better it's just not that good of a home environment as I said. So it is an opportunity for Rutgers to play on. Uh-huh. It's not a neutral court, but somewhere nearing that versus, I mean, playing at like playing at the shot at uh, Ohio State. Like that's going to be a much worse oh, environment sure. when they go to that in a couple days later. But I think Miami is an interesting test. They're not a great team, but they're a good team. Right. They're not a great road environment, but they are a road environment. And this team will have to show whether they can really put up with these good teams because frankly we haven't seen them against one yet my thing is is that and again let's say they drop three of five let's say they win two of the next five games and they don't get over the 500 record in these next few contests my thing is is that if that happens I'm afraid that could spill not exactly but somewhat into how Big Ten play starts when you lose to some teams let's say you lose to Indiana somehow let's say you lose to Miami tomorrow and let's say you lose to Ohio State right let's say those three games are losses but you beat Seton Hall and you beat Wake Forest okay two and three in those five games what have you when you begin Big Ten play in, in uh, January 2023, you're at Purdue, you're hosting Maryland, okay, you're at Northwestern, and then you have Ohio State coming back here. So my thing is is that if you drop three of those games, that might not exactly impact your you know Big Ten play start, but when you're not able to beat a decent amount of Power 5 teams three out of five times when you're playing them five straight games, some in conference, some out of conference, that's a little bit of a concern, especially when you start Big Ten play, where from that start, you're going on an all-Big Ten schedule the rest of the year up to that possible March Madness tournament. It's a, con- I mean, it's a concern, hand- but like... I, I, you know, I just want to say, like, think about last year. I uh-huh. mean, they lost to Lafayette at yeah. home, and they didn't let it phase them. Uh-huh. Indiana, as much as we love to rip apart Indiana in every sport and who's your daddy and all that, they're a top-10 team they in are. the country no, no, right now. Are. So I don't think they'll be completely thrown off the rails if they struggle in this time. And also, let's remember last year, I think people forget because of how great the Purdue win was, they got essentially destroyed in Newark by Seton Hall. They, did. they got annihilated in that game in Champaign oh, that yeah. you and Sean went to. Yeah. So they played poorly in their first rough, you know, tough stretch of the season, and they were able to manage that, mitigate that, and play well in Big Ten play. So I don't really think it weighs that heavily. Yeah, and I would say even apart from the fact that they are a team that improves well over time, I would argue that it's just a really tough stretch. Miami is a good team. Yeah. They're a likely tournament team at this point, sure. and road games in college basketball are hard. Indiana is a very good team. They are looking more towards winning a Big Ten title and having a potential like top seed in the NCAA tournament than anything than like just making the tournament right now. Uh, that's a very difficult game, even at home. Ohio State's a good team. They're a tournament team right now. And playing against them on the road is hard. Playing college basketball on the road is hard. No, it That's is. why I think that two is the baseline where you can say, okay, they beat a Power 5 team in Seton Hall at home. Okay. They beat a Power 5 team in Wake Forest at home. They prove that they can take care of games like that once we get into Big Ten play. They'll need to search for a signature win, right. a big road win, oh, sure. a big home win, oh, sure. something along those lines. But it's not going to be a situation where this team is like – it, they're not going to be as bad as last year coming into Big Ten play. No, no, no. They'll be at a basically even point, and they just have to prove in Big Ten play that they can really... I'm not saying that, but, but again, if you're able to get three of the five, and last year... A lot of bad losses to kick off the year, what have you, all of that. Rutgers basically had to scramble just to get in, and it was do or die in those final games to actually get into the national Mm -hmm. tournament. My thing is, is that why... 
not exactly put yourself in the same situation, but why would you take that chance? And you I have, mean, obviously win every game that you can. No, of course. Uh, but I would love to see them go 5-0, and and sure. I don't think it's impossible no, if they go 5-0. But, but at the same time, I, I'd say being realistic, th- these next three games are going to be tough. And they if will I, be. My, my message to Rutgers, the Rutgers men's basketball team, all the members who are listening right now, I think you guys can definitely do it. My message to Rutgers fans right now is don't get to, don't judge too much based on these next three games. No, of course not. They are three very difficult games. I think that's fair. And even if they lose, even if they get blown out in some of these cases, it's not a terrible state for the rest of the year. No, it's not. Especially pending whether Paul plays, which I really don't know. The thing is, is that we've seen this team go on a stretch, either really good or really bad. And when they're really bad on a stretch, it causes a lot of questions to be raised. And the thing is, to me, in this stretch, I think you have to get over 500 in that sense, number one, to make sure there aren't any negative questions or negative headlines or what have you. But number two, when we look at these stretches that we have seen in previous years, and guarantee we saw this team beat four straight top 25 teams in the country last year. That was remarkable. All the games were at home, but that still happened. My thing is, is that, again, there has to be consistency when it comes to a, you know, a, you know, a round of five games. You know, Miami is winnable. Indiana, you know, it's it's possible. It's a home game. They're like, at home. Frankly, I think that's more likely than Indiana They're or home. Ohio State just because Rutgers has overperformed so much mm-hmm. <laughs> at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen them. Uh, like, we, we talk about Indiana, and <clears throat> yes, they're a top 10 team. Yes, they're really good. Yeah. Rutgers destroys top 10, top 15 teams at the rack. Like, they do this all the time. Yeah, this is just something that, like, has happened a number of times but over the Pikes But the thing Pike is, is okay, okay, let's put it this way. They beat Miami tomorrow. They beat Indiana this upcoming Saturday. But then they lose the next three? That's not a great look. I mean, not a great look at all. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing where it's like, it's difficult for me to imagine a world where they win on the road against Miami and then they lose at home against a not great Wake Forest team. Obviously, it's possible. Basketball is basketball. Weird events happen all the time. But when I look at it, I say two wins likely means Seton Hall and Wake Forest who are probably the two worst teams in this group of five yeah, yeah. and also two home games which Rutgers is pretty consistent at sure, sure. those other three games are the ones that I'm looking at right I, right I'll I take know. that to now leave the room see Goodbye. you later <laughs> all right bye Dennis but have a good night I'm what not saying guy. that in a mean way. I'm just <laughs> no, I know. I know. But, uh, I, I'm not saying no leave get out of no no, no, just, no of course not I'm wishing him well in his travels but anyway I know I, right I, right Sorry, Kerm. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. I feel like one thing that maybe is going to happen over this five-game stretch. I think Seton Hall is going to be one of the toughest games we play. I don't. I don't. Like, I do. I do not disagree with that. I think those like Miami is Miami, but they're not ranked. You know, they're six and one, but they're not ranked. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Indiana, obviously two very high teams, but I, I think we're going to win one of those. I really do. I agree, I agree with that. I. You know what? I have a hot take. I think the Seton Hall game is going to be more difficult than the Indiana. That's game. That's what I'm saying. I feel like Seton I Hall. Don't you might not be wrong. You, you, you might not be wrong. Your student section is going to be though. insane for the Indiana game. But the thing is, is that is just again, I don't. I personally would not want to take any chances of going down down a spiral turn in this set of five where you drop three of them. And let's say you have, especially in Big Ten play, <clears throat> where you have tough teams, Purdue, North. You know, Northwestern's a back and forth team, but you have Purdue, Northwestern. Um, you also have Maryland, and you also have Ohio State again to kick off January. Yeah. That 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 that's that's also not five, but a four game stretch. Two are at home, two are away. If you split that, it's not completely concerning to kick off Big Ten play, but you but you don't want to be put in that spot. Yeah, Same thing with this next five game series. If you drop three of five, you don't want to be put in that situation. And I'm not saying it, it, it it's it's going to play a massive role, but let's say you drop three of five. You drop, I don't know, two of four of the kickoff big to play, or God forbid you go one and three, and then for a period of time, you know, you you don't you don't exceed expectation in Big Ten play. Does that get you in? Maybe, but just barely like last season. Like again, last year you had a lot of bad losses out of conference, and he had some bad losses in conference too last season. And Rutgers, just because they were able to go on a run to win four straight, and they were able to get that four seed in in, in that Big Ten uh, you know, tournament, they were able to just get by. 
let's keep in mind that Big Ten tournament game was not pretty for Rutgers. It wasn't. But Iowa I, blew them out. Yes, Iowa I, was I also, also like as hot as I've ever seen a team. Yes, mm-hmm. like they put up over a hundred on Northwestern just the day before. That's true, but but the fact that you're a four seed like that and you get a first round bye, and I don't care if Iowa's hot or cold. That's a game. Okay, if you lose, you don't lose the way they did. That's At the, the same problem. time, Iowa did end up going on a run and winning the tournament. They did. My thing is, I don't think you should be worrying right now about games that are five or six weeks away. Focus on this five-game stretch. I yeah. don't think it's the end-all, be-all, because you look at these first six games. I know they lost to Temple, but compared to how last season started against mid-majors, oh, no, they're agree. already on the positive end. And like I said, they lost a couple of really bad games against good teams last year. Yeah. I think similar things are going to happen. I think Miami's probably going to be a loss tomorrow, but I think there you can be confident about the Indiana game because just going by recent history. Oh, of course. And, you know, for example, think about that Illinois game. Very similar situation. Illinois was hovering around top 10 last year when they came into Jersey Mike's Arena, and the 8,000 fan crowd really mm. pushed Rutgers to the win in oh, that game because me? the defense completely shut them down and the noise, and yeah. Indiana's probably going to be a very similar thing. They got that Winter Village or whatever they're going to have outside the winter arena. Winter Village? Yeah, yeah, it's going to be all fancy like and fun. It's the boardwalk, kind of. Yeah, I think it's, it's a boardwalk, but for basketball. What is it, what is it Winter Wonderland over here? What's going on? It's Winter Village. <laughs> it's about to be December, but I think the thing that really scares me about these next few games is, you know, like we said, whatever happens in Miami happens. It's, all right. It's right. a weird location. They're not used to playing. They yeah, gotta yeah, fly yeah. there. Yeah. That's that. Then you got the two Big Ten games. It's just Seen Hall really scares me because it's one of those things. You have a, a coach in his first year on the come up, right? Uh-huh. So we're seeing this. I know it's not a great comparison, but the same thing with um, the LSU head coach. I'm blanking on his name, Brian something. Brian, right? I, yeah. Um, yeah, Brian Kelly, right? So he comes in. They start off kind of weird at LSU. They're trying to get into the rhythm, and then you see them really start to take off, right? Uh-huh. This would be such a big statement win for Seton Hall in his first season. They're four and three right now. Not sure what their stretch of games is before they play us, but can't you just see that happening? Like, you know, the type of game that they play, everybody's so locked in on right, defense. Right, They're right. doing such a great job. Like, I feel like that's the game that's really going to be a big tone setter because it's such a big rivalry game. You know, I feel like if we drop, if we drop Miami. Indiana. I think we're going to go 0 4 in that stretch. Because it's you just, lose Ohio State, you lose yeah, Seton Hall. Just okay. the way this this team plays with momentum and they're streaky. We saw last season like right. they're they're not good with get back games. Right. They're not good with get back games. Like I I just feel like, you know, it would be great against Wake Forest that they'd come back and have a huge win, but I just think it's really scary. Like one of these next two games, you have to win if you wanna, if you don't want to go on four. And Joe, that kind of proves my point why this team needs to win three of the next five. Because yeah. okay, you lose tomorrow, but you beat Indiana. You lose to Ohio State, but you beat Seton Hall. You beat Wake Forest. That's why. It, let's say that Seton Hall game is like that, and you drop three of five. That's not a good look, obviously. And you look at, again, the Big Ten swing of things. You're at Purdue. You have Maryland. You're at Northwestern. Then you have Ohio State. You know, and if you go 2-2 two and two or somehow you blow one of those games, like last year, Rutgers was down by over 20 points to Northwestern. Yeah. They had to come back to force overtime, and they still lost in Chicago. Northwestern's no guarantee, folks. So if they lose 3-5 of five and then somehow lose 3-4, of four, what does that tell you? This team's not, not really good. Yeah. Mm. I do also think you do have to take into con- context and contextualize, you know, Geo Baker, Ron Harper Jr. not on this team anymore. That's true. No, you're right. And I don't know if the expectations were all that high coming into the season anyway. I know there's been players saying that this – Caleb McConnell's been saying this unit might actually be better than the last two years. I don't know if I can necessarily gauge that. I have to see that proof over the next five games. Oh, of course. But I, I still think right now, based on what we've seen from this team before in the last couple of years, and we know how the fans support them – Win these three home games. If you can win these three home games, you're in good shape. It's going to be hard. You pointed out, Alex, how Indiana's going to be difficult. Joe yeah. pointed out how Seton Hall's going to be difficult. Yeah. By the way, you made the Brian Kelly analogy, which is true, and I kind of hope it's the Brian Kelly analogy because what happened this past Saturday, he well, lost his rivalry game <laughs> against Texas A&M. But this is so. kind of like – this would probably kind of be similar to like his Alabama game because we – like this is just I'll take a, being a Alabama. Statement. What? I'll take being Alabama. We're either Bama or he's Texas, lo- Texas losing to Texas A&M. So it's a win-win for us. <laughs> Look, I think at the end of the day, these five games, of course, play a role. And these five games and the way you start Big Ten play and the rest of it forward. And not just those five games. You Then you have I, – I, I think you have Michigan State for a back-and-back or t- 
within three games or something like that. Then you have Iowa. Like, you have a lot of good Big Ten teams to kick off Big Ten play. And if you're unable to get over 500 to kick off Big Ten play consistently for the rest of your season, that's not a good look, as well as the fact if you drop three of these next five. Yeah, well, we should get a legal ID in and take a break since it is the top of the hour. So uh, we got... I guess the mega crew here. We'll come yeah. back. Want to talk some fantasy football. Want to talk some color. NFL as well. So uh, stay with us. We're halfway through on the WRSU Tuesday crew on WRSU FM New Brunswick.